oh, this is not happening. Let me call this dude. Hello? Phil. <laughs> Circus. I wasn't on last week. I'm not on this week. What is going on? You're kind of on the show right now. That's not what I mean. Well, while I'm here, let me holler at our listeners and let them know I will be back next week for episode 17. But in the meantime, in between time, I need all of you listening to follow and like us on Instagram. We got something great coming up. Comment on our Instagram post this Thursday about the new Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Y'all remember when I talked about the book a couple of weeks ago? I'm blown away by this book and I know you will be too. It's vital. It's indispensable. Feminist Frequency is going to pick three people to receive a copy of this book. We're going to save three of you a trip to the bookstore. And Phil? Yes, Ebony? Since I'm not on the show this week, let me just say this. Good people of podcast land, please enjoy episode 16 of Feminist Frequency Radio with Anita, Caro, and our very special guest, Irene Too. Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is episode 16. I'm your host, Anita Sarkeesian, and I'm joined by someone still recovering from Timothy Chalamet's loss at the Oscars last night, Carolyn Pettit. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and a very special guest, comedian Irene Too. Hi. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love, or alternatively, for the feminist killjoys coming for your media, depending on your perspective. On today's show, we're going to talk about the 90th Academy Awards and discuss the new sci-fi film Annihilation, starring Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Gina Rodriguez, and some other folks. We'll finish the show by each sharing a little something in What's Your Freak Out? And as always, exclusively for our fantastic drip backers, we'll be recording a bonus segment. This week, we're going to get to know Irene a little bit better and find out about the Manhaters comedy show she co-hosts every month. Everything Feminist Frequency produces, including this very podcast, is listener, reader, and fan-supported. Thank you for helping us stay on the air and on the web. If you want access to special perks and exclusive backer awards, join our podcast community at d.rip slash femfreak. Now, on with the show. So, I have a question I, I wanted to ask, actually. So, uh, Anita has on her Twitter, she has a banner <laughs> that says, uh, trust no man. And occasionally... Twitter loves that. Twitter loves that. They think oh, they it's totally the love best that. thing ever. And so, so occasionally, she'll get uh, uh, tweets from angry dudes saying that her Twitter banner is sexist against and, men. And by occasionally, I, Carolyn I mean, means all, literally all every the time. fucking day. I was wondering, so with your The Man Haters comedy show, do you ever get like honest anger or frustration from people who think that that's like a sexist name oh you mean literally yesterday (laughs) from from this troll uh, who lives in australia supposedly um yeah does australia even exist i don't think so i don't think it's a real country oh yeah they commented uh Get rid of man hater name. It is offensive. Wow. And then my co host just commented under that, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. It's I perfect. Mean, you know, it's it just it seems to me, right, just because I because I do sometimes want to answer those got those people who when I see them I mean I never do because I know it's pointless. You don't but, care about me. No, of course, but I know <laughs> that it would be pointless. But it's like but I think you know, the the truth is that if you're a a man who who ha- who 
acknowledges that patriarchy exists and has like a critical analysis of patriarchy, then you get it. Like you, 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 it shouldn't bother you, right? Because it's you should be to some extent in on the. I mean, it's a, it's a it's, it's a, joke. a joke with an element. I mean, with an Even, element of truth, yeah. but it's a it's a joke. And, I feel but, like it's just dudes who have bad relationships with their moms. Mm. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that, that could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really do. I like the men who are down and get it would never leave a con. Like they're just right. like cool. Yeah. Or if they feel uncomfortable, they keep it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the it's just the shitty dudes that are like, oh, reverse sexism, and you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. I think it's funny, and so does literally like every other woman yeah. I meet loves that <laughs> necklace. I once got stopped in um, it was last year at CES in Las Vegas, where uh, there was a guy working. Um, he was uh, um, what's it called when you he was uh, controlling traffic flow of like shuttles and that sort of thing, and he loved the necklace so much that he called his wife over who was also working at CES to come over and take a picture with me with the necklace. It wow. was that spectacular. So cool. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> um let's dive into the the news and main subject of the week yes. which is uh the Oscars. Yes. So we forced Irene to watch the <laughs> You forced me to watch all of the Oscars. <laughs> um, I generally watch like an hour of it. Yeah. But I watched no, you four watch hours of, of it. Yeah. The whole thing. Which yeah. Ebony is delighted beyond anything I've ever seen her be happy about to not have to watch the Oscars. Yeah. So thank you for suffering in her place. I mean, it was fine. It was just so long. And then it's like, I only really needed to watch like the last yeah. hour. The first like two were like, oh, it's. Who, what are but these you awards? never know what's going to happen. You got to watch the whole thing. Oh, another, another, Twitter's not going to recap that yeah. for you. Another like five minute montage of movies to make me like movies when I'm watching the thing that's already <laughs> that was so a, a giant celebration of movies. So annoying. They didn't do that before, right? I, I feel mean, like this they, was. A th- I, th- I felt like it was. It was more extreme this year yeah. maybe because you know they'll have like a little like films here and there to celebrate it was like every time yeah it was a lot it was a lot it's also a really weird mix of like good and terrible movies so every time I was like oh that oh <laughs> oh that one oh yeah but there are probably all films that have, I mean that have been honored by the academy I'm like, sure almost yeah. all of them like were so like especially before each before best supporting actor best supporting actress Best actor, best actress. They did these montages where it was all performances that had won that award before, and I had the same reaction. I'm like, "Oh right, that shitty movie got you know <laughs> got an Oscar or whatever, you know." Yeah, uh, and it's also just, yeah. it's a little bit of a reminder of how bullshit the Oscars yeah, are. Totally, you know, like we watch them, and they're they're like it's an institution yeah. for sure, but it's also you know, like, and that's part of the conversations around award seasons lately in terms of, like, who makes up the Academy and who makes these choices. Like, in our um, in our work Slack last night while we, we were all watching the Oscars and chatting together, you know, I, we were, like, Carolyn called a lot of the wins because it's so predictable what the Oscars will choose, right? Like, they fucking love World War II movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they also love movies about themselves. Yeah. Right? Which this year, yeah. this year didn't have that, but in... In previous years, there's very much always the like the writer or the filmmaker and the story about how hard it is to be the writer and the filmmaker, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, I'll give yeah. it all the awards yeah. ever," right? Yeah. So mm. it's it's this, I have this complex relationship with the Oscars because they're kind of bullshit, but they're also we have to acknowledge that they do send a message to America and to the world 
uh, you know, kind of defining what cinematic excellence looks like, yeah, right? Definitely. And so, and that message is important and impactful, even if we think the awards themselves are are founded on on bullshit, which they are. And and so it is like, I mean, it is exciting to see way more. Uh, 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 you know, for me, it's, for instance, seeing Daniela Vega on stage last night, even though, she, you know, she didn't win, like, she wasn't nominated for her performance and she didn't win for her performance. Just having her be able to get on stage when uh, a fantastic woman won the best uh, foreign language film. She, for, she's she's a trans, the first trans woman yeah, she's a tra- to she's ever a, be on stage, o- I mean, openly, I, I think. I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's, a, I, I haven't That's what that I up, but, heard from Twitter, okay. so take that so as fact. So, in any case, it's like, oh, wow, a, ch- a, a transgender Chilean woman is like on stage at the Oscars right now. Twice. That's, that's kind Twice, of a, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. You know, there's like those moments where it's like, as much as I feel like this is complete bullshit at the same time, I, I feel like there's real importance in, in seeing uh, uh, it not be so dominated by white dudes, you know, year in and year out, yeah. you know? There was a thread on Twitter about, like, all of the queer folks who won awards or who were on stage um, that was not insubstantial. Yeah. Um, and then there was the joke that... Um, uh, uh, da, 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 Jimmy Maya, No, 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 oh, no. Maya, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph and... Um, Tiffany Haddish, Haddish yeah. uh, was making about being like, oh, there's too many black folks, right? Like, yeah. like as a uh, as a counter yeah. to how there was too many white folks, and like that actually the joke landed because it did feel real. Like it did feel like there were m- many more people of color visible and present. And I this brings up this conversation that I get asked a lot, and I ask other critics and folks in the media a lot of like, is it actually getting better? Right? Like, are we seeing more? more inclusive representations are we seeing different stories because like we can name them but is that true and is the oscars also representing that as the sort of like higher echelon of excellence in in filmmaking right i don't know the answer to that i feel like they're doing better but it also feels like they're like look at what we're doing yeah, 100%. A, lot of, a lot of lip service like and, when yeah. i like when i was watching the oscars a lot of times i was like this feels like gross because they're like oh look at what look, look at all so, these people we're so great we're being so progressive yeah, exactly but we're, it's like yeah. you didn't you're just doing it like this one time like yeah. i don't really know what you're doing behind the scenes besides the oscars yeah. you know like i don't know how many movies you're gonna fund when this quote-unquote maybe it's just a trend yeah. thing is over and they're like oh we can just make the new movies that we always made before it was really interesting they had that the, the montage of uh, like uh, folks like Kumail Nanjiani and Gina Davis, like Gina Davis said, oh, when Thelma and Louise came out, everyone was like, oh, there's going to be so many more movies with women now, and it didn't happen at all. And she's and she's like, but now is that moment, and I'm still not convinced. But I mean, I'm I'm hopeful, but it's still not. It's you know, only time will tell if that's actually yeah, going to manifest. Yeah. It's a tough thing where you know, like we've been doing this work for so long. That it's really hard to accept that it's getting better. Mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that, I mean, I'm sort of playing my cards here a little bit, but also recognizing the, like, it, it's been so bad for so forever, <laughs> right, for a very long time, that, like, this little bit that we're getting in the media in terms of representation, in terms of acknowledgement, like, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's opening monologue, almost every joke was something related to representation, right? It was, um, you know, there was this 
I thought this joke was really funny, but um, where he's like, "We're me too," and Time's Up is about stopping harassment at work, and then he goes on to say, "Women will only have to deal with harassment everywhere else that they go." Right? <laughs> like, too true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, the jokes about Black Panther. Like, there's just a lot of. Um, there was another one that said, "I remember a time when executives couldn't picture a woman or minority as a star of a superhero movie," and then he's like. And that was last March, right? Yeah. So, like, I I liked a lot of the opening monologue. I thought a lot of those jokes were really funny. And so but it does come back to this, like, are you trying to get a cookie for this? Or, like, is it... Like, if they didn't do anything, I think we would complain about that complaint. Sorry. Well, right. but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean it like that way. I think that these conversations are really important. But so there's this tension for me in terms of, like, there's so much more content quote unquote that like is it just a numbers game and are we self-selecting the things we're interested in or are there legitimately more representation like positive representations happening i actually feel like um i should have come more prepared in terms of like who the stories were about in mm. terms of the best picture winner a uh, best picture nominee so like shape of water was about a woman three billboards was about a woman but super fucking racist Call Me By Your Name is about queer folks. Lady Bird's about a woman. Get Out's about a black dude. The Post is about... I mean, it's, I feel like it's all white people. From it's the trailer. People. Yeah, from yeah. the trailer. It's all white people. Phantom Street, Thread is yeah. a white dude. Dunkirk is a white dude. Darkest Hour is a white dude, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it, it better than most years. Yeah. But still, sure. yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was, you know, and another part thing about that montage... Uh, you keep saying montage. The, and I keep <laughs> sorry, the, montage. the specific, the specific one where, uh, where Mo- wait, folk- it's mo- monta- montage, montage. Just the way you're saying it keeps uh, ringing in my ear oh, like you're it? making a joke. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so that where what Kumail Nanjiani said is something was something like you know. Uh, uh, f- for my whole life, you know, it's it's been like white dudes have been centered and you know in in films just just relentlessly, you know, now, you know, you might go to a movie and you have to relate to, to me. It's not that hard. You know, I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah. And it's such a, it's very similar actually to a lot of the things that the, the, the discourse around video games as they've kind of gone through this, uh, uh, growing pains and cultural, uh, uh, battles, you know, is like all these white guys so resistant to, broader representation in games you know but for people like me it's like look we've been fucking projecting ourselves onto these like white male heroes our entire lives you can fucking do it you can empathize with and project yourself project yourself onto you know this this black woman or this like whatever latino dude or whatever the hero of the game is you know oh totally so i some of the people so there's some interesting wins last night um There was a lot of skepticism around Get Out and if Get Out would ever win anything. And there was a lot of really shitty comments that critics had made about like previous to to this about how it's just like uh, someone said something around like, oh, it's just like an eight minute SNL sketch. It shouldn't have been a movie. Right. Like just really. Yeah. It's recorded on the Internet because they're idiots. Um I don't know who it was, but, like, just really patronizing shit like that. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I, like, literally screamed with joy alone in my apartment when Jordan Peele won for Best Original Screenplay. Like, that is, you know, we're talking about how the Oscars really does send a message about what is excellence in film Mm -hmm. making, regardless of if we agree with the parameters of it or not or who gets in. And, like, that's huge Mm -hmm. Um, and really super valuable. And also, I mean, so absurd that he's i think what the, the only the second black 
person to be nominated in that category yeah, in and the, the whole first to win. in the yeah, in the first to win in the whole ninety year history of the like. Are you, you know, don't tell me there isn't like structural discrimination in the movie industry. If like he's only the second black man in 90 fucking years to be nominated for that category. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, unbelievable. Um, but yeah. Yeah. What else? Uh, Frances McDormand, I think, was one of the sort of. She was kind of like quote unquote show stealer in oh, terms really? of like what her speech yes, and stuff. Yes. So let's talk about <laughs> that. So. Frances McDormand is an amazing actor. Like she's oh for sure she's great. That movie, as far as my understanding of it, having not seen it, was very racist <laughs> and very unapologetically racist. Like it, it wasn't trying to make a commentary; it, it just was. It's a film. It's certainly a film that that sim- sympathizes very strongly with a with a racist police officer, while kind of marginalizing people of color yeah. as characters within the film itself right so, like, so you get this redemption arc for that he won the oscar uh sam rockwell. For sam rockwell, the sam rockwell yeah. character you get this redemption arc for him uh you know and you know but but actual characters and he's a racist cop but actual characters who are people of color you know the film it doesn't concern itself with them all that much yeah so you know like sam rockwell playing that character both times he won at the golden globes too didn't say mm-hmm. anything about like racism mm-hmm. or structural injustice or anything like that. So when Frances McDormand won, I was like, cool, you're a good actor, but also I don't want this movie to win anything, uh, unfortunately. And even though like Three Billboards was the favorite for so many of these categories, but she did use her platform to talk about things and like, look, so she tells all the women who are nominated for anything to stand up, which was a very small amount of women. Like, let's be honest. Like, there weren't a lot of people who stood up in right. that in that theater. Um, and but I did get kind of emotional, like I watching that. Like, being you know, th- there were so many moments in, not so many. There were a couple of moments where the nom the person saying the nominees specifically called out that there was only one woman nominated mm-hmm, in that category, mm-hmm. which I thought yeah. was kind of powerful. Like, the, actually, yeah, for these like four Greta men Ger- and Greta Gerwig. You know, yeah. when when reading the directors, exactly. yeah. But so, so Frances McDormand ended her speech by saying, I've got two words for you, inclusion writer. And everyone was like, like what, what is what that? The fuck is that? Right? Inclusion writer? Yeah, writer? we were like, is it what? right? Because yeah. I was like, I know. Well, I knew it was like a writer in a contract. Yeah. Well, but I so, didn't know exactly what she meant by that. Exactly. That's why I was like, did she mean writer? Or did she mean, because writer, like a writer is your your demands for what you yeah. need to do a thing, right? Um. So that's actually a really cool it's... moment because everyone started Googling. It was like, what yeah. the fuck yeah. is an inclusion writer? It, right. Which is when you uh, write into your contract that you're casting or that your crew and casting and the like general environment of the film needs to be inclusive in terms of who is being yeah, hired. Otherwise, and that, otherwise won't, and, exactly. You, you won't yeah, and I, it doesn't. I think it can also be stuff about commensurate pay like I think it, it's possible for that to be in there mm-hmm. as well so which yeah. is so I mean yeah that in with those two words like she gave the stars in that audience the predict particularly like the white male stars a practical thing that they can do you know if you're like oh you want to pay me 12 million dollars to be in your next movie well you know here's I mean it's just it's like I think I'll I don't know if they'll if they'll act on it if they'll take her up on it, but it's a practical and just really powerful thing that they can do to start affecting like real change in in the the movie making environment. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Any, any other Oscars thoughts? 
I was really disappointed that Shape of Water won. I screamed. I haven't seen. That's the like one movie I didn't you see. Well, like, besides like Dunkirk, do you love I'm like that's a fish war romances. Movie. Well, I know what the movie's about, <laughs> but I haven't seen it's, it yet. Grinding so, Nemo was ask, the best joke. If you, if, you, Nemo. if you ask me, it's a it's a uh, deeply affecting story of outsiders, people persecuted by society, who come together, find some, you, find some connection with each other, and help each other to 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 you know to fight back against the the oppressive structures in which they live. If you ask Anita, it's a movie about fucking a fish man. Not just me, okay? I mean, yeah, a, a lot, lot of people. people. So Wait, okay, but. Yeah. But so would the movie have been as good if the lady didn't actually fuck the fish? I th- it's, no. it's part of the romance. Okay. I mean, it's a romantic. It's a romantic. So fantasy. you couldn't have the same movie if like she just like hugged the fish. <laughs> no, I don't think because I anything... feel like that's what people are upset about is that she fucked the fish. That's, I don't that's think Finding anything... Nemo. I don't think there's anything. That hugging oh, the, the fish is fish. Finding Nemo. I don't think Shape of Water is Grinding Nemo. I don't okay, think like wrong with the fact that she that she and the fish man. Are you know intimate? So, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I tweeted, I tweeted despair at the fact that this movie won. So here's the thing: regardless of whether I liked the movie or not, I think in with the other contestants, it wasn't the strongest film. Yeah, overall. no, I agree. like I, I don't think it should have won Best Picture, not just because I didn't enjoy it, but because I just yeah, I mean, all of the components. Yeah, I mean, of it. I, I, I wanted personally, I wanted either Get Out or Call Me by Your Name to win. I knew Call Me by Your Name didn't really have a shot. Nobody was talking about it as a contender. Get Out won the Independent Spirit Award the previous night for Best Film. And for like the past four years prior to this, that film has always gone on to win Best Picture. So I was like hopeful for yeah. Get Out, but it didn't happen. I So I have to say, like, because I was upset that Shape of Water won and I got... Uh, I got gently called out on Twitter, which I appreciate uh, that, you know, like it, there's value to a Mexican man winning the best picture like the he, he sure. yeah, that in that role. Yeah. Um, I I just and, I mean, I, I, and, and, I, and the other thing, too, is that I struggle and we've talked about this movie on the podcast. The other thing that I struggle with, too, is that like, yeah, it is a movie about inclusion and insiders and outsiders, but I just didn't like the way it was done. Right. And so, sure. so I think that it, I. I kind of forgot that a little bit in my it's a movie about fucking fish. Like like I forgot that there there are pieces of it that were really meaningful to people and seeing those representations and seeing the message in it. I just didn't it didn't resonate with you. It it's didn't. not it's not just that it didn't resonate. I don't think it was done I don't think the story was done well. Right. In terms of what it was trying to do is all. So I, I you know, I I mean, I think, I'm, I'm sorry for being dismissive yeah, about the right. importance of that. I, I mean, I, I didn't love I, I liked Shape of Water. I didn't love it. Uh, I didn't think it was the best picture. But I do think Guillermo, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro is a is like a lot of the word visionary gets thrown around a lot when describing filmmakers. I mean, I would. I would legitimately use the word visionary for him because his films are often so unusual, so idiosyncratic. They they bring to life bizarre creatures. They create amazing worlds. So, you know, I, I think he's a very interesting filmmaker, even though I don't love all of his movies. Like, I, I, I'm glad he exists. I think he does interesting work, and I'm okay with him being honored, you know, as a... Like, I don't think he's like a trash filmmaker by any stretch. No, I think he's or a no, trash person. A trash person. Well, I don't know him as a person, <laughs> yeah. but no, I definitely not. Yeah. Um, one movie that <clears throat> Carolyn and I went to see recently was Phantom Thread. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really... So I haven't seen all of the Best Picture contenders, um, but I wanted to like squeeze in as many as I could last minute. And I was really like 
surprised at how much I liked that movie, even though I expected to not like it. And so, like, it the it only won one award, which was for costume design, which, like, it was obviously made to win costume design. <laughs> it's about fucking dress. Well, it's about it, dresses. It's about a dressmaker, yeah. right? Um, but that was a, a, a movie just to sort of... I, I'm trying to collect my thoughts about it and I might write something for the website because I like it's sitting with me in a way that I didn't expect it to. Um, and, and because of that, I I wish it had won a little bit more mm-hmm. like in some direction. Like I think the sound design in it was phenomenal oh, yeah. and wonderful. But again, the Oscars are so tough because there's such steep competition for everything, right? Like we were talking about the category for supporting actress yeah. and we were like, Holy shit. Oh, they were all, all good. Them, they oh, were God. all good. I mean, I know. I was like, I want all of these women to... I mean, Laurie Metcalf in Lady Bird is so amazing. Uh, 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 in, in The woman in I, Tonya. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I love her, and I can't think of her name right now, but she's, fa- she's fantastic. You mean the one who won? Allison Janney? Allison Janney. Oh, she won. Yeah, she won. Allison Janney won. Did she? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I have my notes in oh, front okay. of me right here. Why did I think she didn't win? I, well, I don't know. Really and she talked about her bird as a go. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Okay. Allison so, Janney is just so shit. I'm glad. I mean, obviously, like totally deserved, but the other other nominees also deserved it. Octavia um, uh, Spencer, Spencer was for Shape of Water yeah, was yeah. nominated. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Just so good. Yeah, so good. Yep. Uh, Leslie yeah, Manville, so, Leslie Manville, who was so amazing as the sister in Phantom Thread. Yes. Oh, she was so good. Yeah. <laughs> she was. She was so sharp mm-hmm. and like, uh, she just did such a good job. Um, words, she was so resigned. Just, yeah, and, but she just could. I mean, even though she had this kind of flat-ish delivery, but it wasn't flat like dull. It was flat like super sharp. Like she would just say these words and like cut you know, uh, uh, Reynolds' ego down to size in, like, you know, a, a, a sentence or two, and it was just, like, ruthless. And yeah. it was like, ooh. Yeah, it's really satisfying. Her character mm. was super satisfying. Mm. Um, yeah, so, overall, the Oscars were fine. <laughs> there was, like, five <laughs> moments, maybe, that were like, oh, oh, that's cool, and then the rest was like, I'm sleepy. Which is why Very you just sleepy. need to watch the yeah. highlight reel. Yeah. Right? But then you don't get to experience it in real time. Yeah. You know? Oh, Sufjan yeah. Stevens performing Mystery of Love, introduced, of course, by Daniela Vega, was for was me really amazing. such, a, such yeah. an emotion. Because I love that song. I love the film it's from. And So, okay. I, one thing about Call Me By Your Name, which is really funny, is that, I like, seen it yet. okay, I we had a whole podcast yeah. about it's how... my favorite film of last year. Anita is kind of lukewarm. No, okay, I don't on... like it. Yeah, I don't like, like that it. movie. Yeah. But no, no. But like, I would never watch it again. Mm-hmm. But I want to watch my memory of it. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> I keep because like this is what happened last night when I kept seeing clips of it or like, and especially that song is so beautiful. I've been listening to that song nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. The movie, I love clips of the movie, mm-hmm. and I love what mm-hmm. I remember the movie well, being, but yeah. I remember really not liking and, and, the movie. And that's kind of interesting because I think the movie, even as you're watching it, has this kind of quality of memory. Like it's, it takes place over this long summer, and time kind of feels like. Uh, this like it's not some super linear like this moment then this moment it's like oh time is just kind of this lazy thing that's flowing forward and so i think feel yeah. like it makes sense that it would stay with you Linger in that in that bit, way yeah. yeah all right let's move on mm-hmm. to annihilation which is the latest sci-fi kind of horror definitely body horror film mm-hmm. based on the book trilogy by jeff vandermeer 
The movie was written and directed by Alex Garland, who you might know as the writer and director of Ex Machina. But did you know that he was a writer on the computer game Enslaved Odyssey to the West and DMC? The 2013 Devil May Cry? I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what any of those words That's all right. (laughs) They're just video games that are questionable but beloved. Um, But it's just weird that he wrote the, like, he wrote Ex Machina. He also wrote um, the movie about the clones that I just totally spoiled. Uh, I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. He wrote the he wrote the novel The Beach. Like that was his big kind yeah. Of no, but he literary also breakthrough. he also wrote. Um, I can't look this up in time. Uh, oh the, god, the that clones. It's, the clones. It was you attack would, of the clones. No, no, you would have loved this. It's a really slow moving. It's but it's good. Uh, uh, <sighs> fuck it, whatever. I'll look it up when someone else is talking. Okay. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, Annihilation is a movie about a group of scientists who enter quarantine zone, and the laws of the world as we know it are all screwy. So I read the book. Oh, you I, did? I did not read the book. I didn't know what this movie is about when you said we were going to talk about this. I'm so upset. Um, <laughs> I cannot get those hours of my life back, and now I can't leave my house. Um, everything is frightening. So frightening. I'm sorry. I didn't, no, it's fine. I it didn't was, know that it was going to be horror until I saw the I, previews. This is what I'm saying. I, I saw like just like pictures or people were like, oh, I like the movie, and I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, and yeah, I didn't know it was going to be that scary. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to be a body horror film. It was. Um, I mean, I feel oh. like there was very little body horror. The yeah, body horror was enough that it was fucking Okay, gross. but things were like moving, and that is upsetting. <laughs> I Fair. That's fair. Th- I think the moving. Oh, Irene has her oh. hand over her stomach right now. <laughs> oh, things God. were moving. I don't like, I know it's fake, but it, even if, if it no, looks kind of no. real. Yeah, I no, know. And I'm no, like, I know it's point. fake, but it looks real. Mm. And then it's very upsetting to me because I don't, I don't like blood even. So like, was I don't that like enough to, to make you not like the film? No, I like the film objectively. <laughs> I don't like the film because As an experience. I'm, I'm upset by yeah. everything that I experienced. Yeah. But I think it was a good film, objectively. <laughs> <laughs> if yeah. I wasn't a person, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, if you could just if evaluate just it as like, yeah, a, yeah an a, like an a like, robot. Oh, okay. uh, I, well, what's interesting for me is how many people who are suffering or have suffered from depression are really uh, talking about this film as like resonating with them really, really deeply. What? Uh, um, yeah. So Angelica Bastian's article uh-huh. in Vulture, which is probably one of the things that you read, one we'll, of the link things, in yeah. the, we'll link in yeah. the comment in yeah. the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, um, I guess, you know, for me, so the, Tessa, Tessa Thompson's character in the film is, uh, she's super kind of quiet introverted you could say uh you kind of learn at one point that she cuts herself i think to you know to just to feel um and uh i really wanted it i mean i wanted more i I felt like there wasn't enough of her like that was my one one, my one real frustration with the film is oh i wish we'd gotten to know her character a little better spoiler alert spoiler alert silent green is people she turned into one oh, of the right. one of the plant people, yeah. right? Which, Spoilers. which I mean, Spoilers. Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna spoil it, but you did. Yeah. No, no, we. No, I we, just said we she just need to throw up a spoiler yeah. warning. Yeah. 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 Spoil away. Yeah, I got lots um, of spoils coming up. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was definitely a film that uh, because it's so dreamlike and I think so kind of open to interpretation, um, um, really. It just keeps rattling around in my head. Like, Does I, it? yeah. So I didn't. 
Okay, I didn't dislike it and I didn't like it all at the same time. Mm. It's in this very like liminal space for me. I did read the first book in the trilogy and I loved the first book, which is called Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Um, did you had you read it before you saw the yeah, movie? Okay. I read it like last year. Oh, okay. Um and so when I went into the movie, I was like, man, I don't know how much I'm going to remember to be able to do sort of like the comparison. Mm. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, a, a lot of it came flooding back. And so there are definitely, like, I think adapting a book to film has got to be one of the hardest things. You've got to make all of these cuts. You have to make all of these creative choices. And I, um, so I have mad respect for that. I think some of the choices were a little bit weird and they did a bit of an amalgamation of the three books. So okay. I haven't read the last mm-hmm. two, um, but they're at, in talking to people who have read, read it, like they're clearly wrapping the movie. Like they're not going to do a three part movie based on each of the books. Um, so there's a thing in the book that um, there's two visual moments in the book that I was really disappointed didn't happen in the movie. One is this thing that they find called the tower. Um, And it's really this tunnel and like the weirdest fucking shit happens in this place. And they um, keep going back and and, um, Natalie Portman's character, Lena uh, keeps going back into this space. They cut that out completely from the movie. And I think what they did was in the lighthouse, that tunnel thing, I think that that's what they did. Yeah, which did not have the same impact or effect. Mm -hmm. Also in the lighthouse, and I I feel like it's really sad that they cut the tower out. Um, The thing in the lighthouse in the book is that she finds out that her husband is actually dead um, because she finds piles and piles of journals. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh. And so I totally, I think that the way that they demonstrated him dying was totally adequate and fine and like good. It was 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 very visual. visual. Like finding journals is not going to have the same impact. So I get why they cut it. I just remember that in the books as being something really profound and like the visual of like these piles of journals and her digging through them to find her husband's journal Mm -hmm. um, was really powerful to me. So those were two things that I was kind of like, oh, that's a little, a little bit of a bummer. Um, But overall... Oh, the other thing is that they don't use real names in the book. They are the biologist and the psychologist and the paramedic and the physicist. They're not, they don't have names. And I kind of wish that they had leaned into that because there's, there is a power to the like inhumanity of what they're doing. And by not naming, the other characters, you lean into that a little bit more. So I kind of, I don't. I feel like it would have been hard to not have the names. In the movie. Probably. I don't know how you would communicate. Because the book is, I think, from the perspective of Lena. Yeah, um, Yeah, I think it would be hard to just uh, watching it. I I mean, there's also, like, I feel like at the core of this film, at least certainly in the end, uh, is the connection between Lena and her husband. Her husband? uh, What? (laughs) Right. Tugged. Sure, sure. Oh, I mean, quote, quote. right. I mean, uh, and I, I, I don't know. I feel like because it's, I, I want those characters, even though they're, they've gone to this place and they've been changed and maybe they're not actually quote unquote human anymore. I want, I, I feel like it's, it's easier to connect to that kind of love or whatever you want to call it if they have, if they're human enough to have names yeah. rather than like the biologist and the right. biologist's husband. So I, I don't feel know. feel like I wouldn't have connected with the characters as much through the whole movie if I didn't know yeah. their names. Interesting. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm legit. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm what? just curious. I, I am curious what the, what, how that would feel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I, 
I felt like okay, so I have some 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 of my issues with it is that I felt like it was really inconsistent. I felt like there were moments where the movie was really good and moments where it was really not good. And <clears throat> and um I some of the things I think around that were like it trusted its audience sometimes and it didn't other times. So like the scene where um Lena is in they're they're riding the boats mm-hmm. and Lena is talking to I think it was Cass. Yeah. Um, where Cass is like, Exposition Central, here are all the reasons all these people are damaged. Mm-hmm. When there's so many other ways to like it we already knew that, right? Like there's no way you would go into this without that. And there's other ways to approach it. So those are those moments that I'm like, oh come on. Um, and I feel like it spent a lot of time building her relationship with male characters rather than building her mm. relationship with the other women on the exposition on in, in this exposition or Expedition. Yeah. Expedition. Expedition. Thank yeah. you. I was like, yeah. I know that's not the right word. Yeah. And I wanted more time in the shimmer. Like, we did not need to cut back to her having an affair twice. We get it. Like, we, we you could convey the information you needed to convey without going back to that place. Yeah, I... I guess I think that... I thought I felt like the first one, because it doesn't... The first one doesn't resolve itself. It just... It establishes that there's something troubling Lena, right? Like, I, my sense is that she went into the shimmer as an act of love toward her husband who's what was his name uh it was um kane kane and part of the motivation for that was this guilt that she had about the affair right and and so i I don't know i feel like i feel like you don't want to play i'm trying to find the right metaphor (laughs) you know you don't want to show all the cards uh at once you want to kind of but I just let the, the, let the audience wonder a, about that for a bit. The coolest thing about this movie is the Shimmer universe, right? Like seeing all of the plants and the growth. I, and the, I wouldn't say cool. I would say creepy. But I loved <laughs> so it. Creepy. I thought it was beautiful. Like I mean, it was oh, beautiful in that's, its morbidness. That's yes. yeah, yeah. I the loved way it, it walked that line, or or went back and forth between, oh my god, that's so beautiful and wondrous, and and, and then and then holy shit, that fucking shark alligator thing is goddamn yeah. terrifying. Like yeah. the deer with the flowers yeah. coming out of it. Like that is that oh, that was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, and that's but something the, that comes up again and again in the book. Were not. <laughs> sure, the attacking sure. creatures were and that's not. The, that's the unsettleness of this place where you're both like mesmerized yeah. and horrified oh, and mm-hmm. fearful. And I, I want more of that, sure. right? I want more of this space. I want more bonding. Like it is a team of women, yeah, like scientists that are all brilliant. I want to see more of that, right? And then, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it did seem like they all died quick, right? Um, you know, like <laughs> it has, like, yeah. It was like, oh, her, like, you know, relationship with people, and then it would cut back to, like, real life, and then, like, the interview and stuff. And then you go back to the, like, the forest thing, and then somebody just dies. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but... The, yeah, dude, we just got back, and then that person disappeared? I know. The, the horror movie element of, oh, it's like, yeah, we're gonna see these people get picked off one by one sort of thing was frustrating, because I... It's like, oh, here's this rare movie where it's, like, totally fronted by this amazing cast of women. Oh, but it's totally the horror movie convention of... Yeah, but the, it's only one can survive. You know, yeah. there can only be one. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's like, we can talk about to what extent does she actually and, survive. Um, yeah. And that's also one of the things in the book um, where the end of the first book, she just rides off in a boat. Okay. Uh, so like all it, of the Within thi- the shimmer? Well, <clears throat> the shimmer is a, a contain, like you can see on the map in the movie, like if yeah. you ride out of, you could ride out of the shimmer. Oh, okay. so, so she's like, going out of the shimmer. Yeah. yeah okay. um, the beginning of the second book is her in the interrogation. Okay. Got it. And got so like they use that as the narrative framing to, you know, like that was, 
that was a lot of the exposition, which I understand why they made that choice to be able to clearly give information about what's happening without having to show all of the beats, right? Like, mm-hmm. she could be like, and then this happened, and I felt this way about it, right? And then mm-hmm. you cut to the death scene or whatever. Um, which I, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, I I think that the ending, I don't know, the ending, like, I feel like it wanted a lack of clarity that it didn't earn, hmm. right? Like, at the end, you're like, oh, he's obviously an alien, and then you see her eyes shimmer. And so you're kind of like, but- it was... When you before you get to that point, you think that she's her because you think she fought the alien right, and burned the right. alien, and then at the end, it's like, is it her or is it? Has she been mutated? Because she talked about how her blood was already mutating. Yeah. Like it, I get what they were doing, but I just don't really. Wait, there's not going to be another movie. I thought that was like, a, oh, now there's going to be another movie. I mean, they they did an amalgamation of all three I, books, so I don't think I, there's going to be I, another movie. Am I feeling? I think it, they wanted. A certain amount of ambiguity and just to to leave it there. Yeah. But I mean, okay, I re- I really liked the ending uh, because to me it was like I mean obviously th- those two people they're not Kane and El- El- Elsa. What is her name? Lena. Lena. Sorry, they're not. <laughs> this Kane. is not Frozen. They're not. Kane. Yeah, but you right. don't. But you don't know they're, that she's not Lena. No. Yeah, but like but I, I know, but I'm saying was... once we do, once we do, I'm saying. But we no, no, no. I think she's okay, still Lena. But Kane is... is just no. The... no. Oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Uh, Sorry, I think Carol. that <laughs> I think that both of them are, to some extent, themselves and not themselves, right? I mean, Kane, even that Kane, we know it's another Kane because he he walked out, but but he obviously is made from elements of the original Kane, right? He carries with him some some Kaneness within him, <laughs> right? And 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 just as Lena, whether it is the Lena who went in there or isn't. She is, and she both is and is not Lena. Sure, sure. And 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 so I I feel that this is something I, I uh, to me it it is something about of course because I I interpret everything through some kind of lo- lens of love or whatever. <laughs> but I feel like it's it's a you know again she went into the shimmer as a as a kind of act of love f- for Kane, and I feel like it's this thing about love changing people like they're they they they're not who they were but they're they are and they're still deeply connected to each other in some way even if neither you know there's also the feeling of like they both were um they're the only survivors of this horrific experience that nobody could fully understand and so there's this almost when she hugs him there's this sense of like regardless of which lena she is or what happened to her, there's a sense of like, well, we're in this together now. And like, there's almost a, do we need to break out of here? Are we going to be like held hostage forever? Are we the only ones that can like understand one another? There was a bit of of that. And like, when I wrote this note about the end wanting more clarity, uh, lacking, wanted a lack of clarity it didn't earn. um, It didn't actually occur to me when I was watching the movie that she could just be contaminated. And that it could actually be her, but mm-hmm. her biology has been fucked up. That's what I thought it was. I mm-hmm. thought it was just regular sure. Lena, but then she just got like this entire, weird thing. Which is totally possible. But I thought possible. it was not regular Kane. Right. No, it's correct. not. Right. It's yeah. De- yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. And my feeling, again, I think that's exactly right, but I also feel like both of them are and are not who they were. The last thing I want to bring up is um, the whitewashing that happened. So there's yeah. an article on Vulture by um, E. Alex Young. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I apologize. Um, 
that goes through how in the second book, the biologist, which is Natalie Portman's character, is described as having Asian descent. And the um, Tuva's character, uh, Cass, sorry, Tuva's the actor, um, Cass, who is the geologist, is described as being half Native American. And so um, Uh, while there are... Yeah. yeah, we know this was coming. Yeah. <laughs> so while it is a cast of women, two of which are women of color, uh, that like they still kind of whitewashed. And when you read the response from the director, um, oh. he was like, "I didn't know, sorry." And like it was, it's actually kind of a sincere response, but also a little bit like you're literally adapting the three books. It was like you didn't read the book. Wait, that's <laughs> exactly what my reaction what? is. He so, just read, yeah, yeah. He and, just read the script that yes. had no. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like it's such Info. a like I would have loved to see Tessa Thompson as Natalie Portman's character. Sure. And I feel like, but Natalie you know, Port- they're like, we gotta have a white lady exactly. be the hero, yes. otherwise we won't make the money because yeah, exactly. it's already four ladies. Like, oh, we gotta make the white lady <laughs> the last one who's alive. That's yeah. exactly it, and it's. It's super yeah. frustrating because I'm like Natalie Portman did a fine job. Sure. Like I'm not the biggest fan of Natalie Portman. And I thought ev- she's a great actress, and she always she's plays fine, that cre- creepy role. <laughs> she's very good at being creepy. Uh, Black Swan. This is like mm-hmm. Black Swan Part Two. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm all not right. wrong. That's, like, well, that's <laughs> the pull quote. When that when that when that blood was coming out, I was like another blood thing. Remember with the nail and the black oh, swan. Oh yeah, it is. See, she's very good at creepy. That's true. I don't. I don't know what it. I think I have some weird blockage because of I can't get over the manic pixie dream girl ishness of her, which she doesn't do anymore. So I need to recalibrate. But I still think. I mean, I, I mean, she's also. I feel like she's kind of gay. So I'm like team Apple, <laughs> team uh, Natalie Portman. <laughs> sure, if if you like all gay people, yes, just like unequivocally, no matter what. I mean, I like all Hollywood not gay gay people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. Weirdly enough, yeah. Um, but it would be yeah. cool to have Tessa Thompson, you know. Yeah, and it, it did very much feel like that Hollywood thing of like we have to get but a you, big name, yeah. white woman, oh, for sure. whatever. A hundred percent. It's like, know. oh, let's get an A list actress who's a yeah. white lady. Yeah, which like, could you imagine if the whole cast was women of color? One step at a time. Whoa, oh, let's whoa, not go whoa, overboard whoa. Which, you here. Know, and I can already hear people being like, it's all women. What more do you want? Of yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it still is very much like we know that Natalie Portman was cast to give this le- this movie a level of like star power um, that Hollywood still thinks it needs in uh-huh. order to do this kind of stuff. So, yeah, whatever. On that same note, I uh, probably wouldn't have watched that movie if I didn't know who's in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. if you just like told me like who's in this movie, and then I was like, oh, well, I do, I do like Tessa Thompson. I was like, oh, I like Natalie Portman's work, and then it was just like, oh, these people. Are in it. I guess I'll watch the movie, but I didn't know anything about the. I've never heard of this book before. I don't know if I'm just like living in a cave. <laughs> I don't know mine. anything about this movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think go see it. Oh, I yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah, like I say, see- go see it, but like bring a bucket to puke in. <laughs> yeah. If you if you get squeamish, bring something. I mean, it's yeah. Or look away. It's like st- it's not the whole thing. but no. there's enough oh, of it that's no, going to make you feel uncomfortable. I think yeah. it's worth seeing Ooh. in the theaters because the I think I, you have to see it in the theater. The for visuals sure. of the Shimmer World are it's so whoever great. did the cinematography was on acid when he <laughs> yeah. made this. It's so Very trippy. 
But it's very beautiful it's in so its beautiful. trippiness. And I don't think you could watch it like on a plane and feel the same mm-hmm. way about it. No. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Which is where I watched Black Swan and kept going, ah! Oh, and yeah. putting my hand in front of the screen being like, <laughs> I hope I nobody sees That's one this. advantage. You yeah. know, you could, at you least could with Annihilation, yeah. you could just put your hand <laughs> over the whole screen. All right, y'all, let's move into what's your freak out. Carolyn, yeah. what's your freak out this week? This week, my freak out is a podcast uh, called Her Head in Films. Uh, Her Head in Films is a podcast done by a woman named Caitlin. And it's uh, mostly about actually like, uh, so each week, each episode is about a different film. And it's really a film appreciation podcast. Like she will go really in depth into these films and uh and and just talk about you know the beauty of them or you know the 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 themes the the messages the imagery whatever um you know in a really like insightful way that kind of like a lot of the films she talks about are foreign art house cinema and even the film lover that i am i have not seen probably like 80% of the films that she talks about. And yet I still really, as a film lover, I really get something out of listening to her talk about these films because um, I think the, 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 the way in which she is able to kind of uh, um, appreciate them and talk about them is, uh, it, it's something that like I can carry with me into experiences with other films. Like it's not, it's not stuff that's, you know, I think great criticism or great analysis is beneficial, you know, beyond just the one kind of uh, work of art or media or whatever that it's that it's pertaining to. And so, um, uh, yeah, you know, and she brings a lot of uh, very personal uh, stuff to bear uh, in, in her critiques. Like she'll talk a lot about personal struggles or grief if they're relevant in some way to, you know, what the film is doing. Um but in a way that feels very uh, welcoming and kind of you know personal, so it kind of feels like like a a, a good friend just talking to you about about a great film or a film that she loves and why. Um, so you can find that uh, her head in films. Uh, it's on like iTunes and Stitcher and a bunch of like the usual podcast places. There's also a Patreon for it, Patreon.com/slash/herheadinfilms. You know, if you're really into like uh, great film, um, I highly recommend checking it out. It's it's awesome. Nice. Yeah. That sounds great. Irene. Okay. I'll just share this. Um, I uh, am not a drug person. Like, I don't. (laughs) Wow. I love this already. I don't do drugs, um, but I'm like, I do comedy, so there's like drugs. I guess in like, in comedy. I don't need drugs. I got comedy. No, but I mean, I hear there's like, people do drugs. I hear people do drugs. I don't do drugs. Um, and I feel like lately I've been meeting more people that do drugs, <laughs> but then I don't know weed how... Weed is legal in no, California like, now. Not you weed. You mean like the, like, the like real, real drugs. drugs. Mm-hmm. Not like... Not weed, okay? Like Molly? Sure. Or we like... Did, we did not call it Molly yeah. when I was a kid. I don't know what these drugs are. I don't know what they look like. I sound like a crotchety old person. <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, it's, it's good, fine it's if good. the people do drugs, but then I just feel... <laughs> the people do drugs. I don't know how to feel... <laughs> When somebody's like, I love like drugs, you, yeah. and I'm like, I don't, oh, okay. I don't know what to do. Is that your freak out? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm having, 
Well, peer plus pressure. I'm, it's the okay. Whole... It's it's not like I need to do drugs, but I like I'm working on this new bit where I'm like I don't know what drugs look like because it's true. Yeah. And then people are like, "Do you want to see drugs?" Let me be your drug educator. And I, I feel like it's like whatever you talk about on stage, people are like, "Oh, I'm gonna relate to you," and then bring it up something like whatever. Like some I know other comedians that like talk about sex a lot, and then they get approached by dudes that are like, "Oh God, creepy," yeah. you know? Oh. And I'm like it's just Ugh. part of the the act, you know. And I feel like my version of that is like where I'm like, so are you getting like um, like dime bag pockets and shit of coke? I'm not getting you? them handed to me because I think like, people I don't still know, what know. To do with this. Well, people still know I don't want to do them. I think, but now they're just like showing me drugs, and That's I, amazing. It's, I don't know. I I don't know if it's like a freak out, but I'm like this? freaking out. You sure. Know? No, this is a good freak out. Yeah. This is actually uh, very. Very in line with the title of yeah. the, the episode, of the segment. Uh, yeah. Have you learned anything new? I mean, I've been shown various drugs. Do they that I all didn't... just look like powder? Well, I've seen a lot of powder. I've also seen a lot of mushroom-looking things. Sure, sure. Um, I've seen pills, a lot of different-looking pills. Um, there are a lot and, of pills. And honestly, I kind of thought that they would all look more magical. <laughs> no. You know, don't. like kind of like they belonged in the shimmer. It's like, oh, that weird looking <laughs> thing. Uh, and they're all just like boring looking. When you take them, you feel like okay, you're in the shimmer. Okay, so this, I don't know. But they just look ordinary. Or you just get really insanely like manic and, and iron for three hours. I the feel same like shirt once, if which I I've did never them, done that. Yeah. That's never happened. I feel like if See, I did I them, I would do that. that I don't do that anymore, okay. just for the record. <laughs> Not that I need to defend myself, but also I can't stand. I just don't. Yeah. I grew up in the suburbs, and I was Me really too. bored and did a lot of drugs as a teenager. Well, I also grew up in the suburbs, and it was boring, but I just didn't. You were just bored. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I wasn't cool enough to be ever offered drugs. <laughs> sure. I I only get offered drugs now because I talk about it on stage. Yeah. Like that's the only reason people are you like You could make a really good side living. What? With all the Being drugs an you're given. Oh. No, and then you just resell them. Oh, but no one gives them to me. They just show them to oh, me. Boring. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I thought you meant you could be a really good narc, and I'm like, well, no, no, no. I could also Please. be good at that because people keep showing me the drugs. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna I, be. But... I don't know how I'm gonna follow this up. Yeah. I just, I should just not have a freak out this week because that was spectacular. No, you, you gotta, you gotta do one. I know, I gotta do one. All right, I'm gonna uh, talk about Godless. Oh yeah. So me, I, I kind of so feel what like is we Godless should... for people who don't know what it is. I don't Thank know what you. it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for queuing that up. Uh, Godless is a a limited show on Netflix, uh, which is just a mini series. Okay, so it's, so seven it's, up, like, it's like seven or eight episodes, and it's not going to be like uh, on like no, season two or season it's three. A, it's, it's a self contained it. narrative, which oh, I love so much. I know I've talked about this before. I think mini series is totally the way to do TV. But um, all right, it is it takes place in the Wild West. Uh, and I don't really like Westerns. I was really sick when I got back from the Joko cruise and I was like, I need to watch something and be sick. So I just put it on. I don't really like Westerns. Um, I feel about Westerns the way I feel about like fantasy is that it's just white dudes fighting each other for status. And Mm -hmm. it's usually the same kind of story again and again. Um, I've since learned that not all fantasy is that way. Hashtag not all fantasy. Um, but anyways, okay. So I I have 
this show has been sitting with me. And, like, I keep thinking about it. And things keep reminding me of it. It is doing interesting things with the fact that these stories are typically about white dudes and there's no real room for women outside of like prostitution and wives or whatever and that there are no black folks in these stories ever so the show is very aware of this fact and the way that it deals with it is um it has it it, it the town that is the main town that we're um following there was a mining accident that killed literally like all of the men except for like three old dudes or whatever, right? And the sheriff. Um, and so you have a town of women. And so there you have stories about women and different kinds of women and women who want to do different things, right? So there's like the mayor's wife. She starts wearing pants and carrying a gun and acting, quote unquote, like a dude. And people are like, that's not ladylike. Why are you doing this? And she's like, we need to protect ourselves. Um, and then you have the other women who are like more dainty and like really just want like who are just whenever a man comes into town are just like losing their shit over like just wanting to get laid and like just wanting to be with a man. Right. Um, there is a town uh, an hour away from this one called Blackton, which is exclusively black citizens in the town, which is its own kind of thing uh, that is you deconstructed worthy. Um, I'm not going to spoil things. um, because there's some stuff that happens with that. but and, and then one of the main characters is a white woman who was married to an indigenous man. And so she lives with her her half white, half indigenous son and um, his grandmother, uh, who is also from that tribe. So, like, there are representations in this film, in this movie and in the show, um, which I think are interesting because I don't see Westerns doing that kind of stuff. Uh I still couldn't help. The main core storyline is that you have this this older dude played by Jeff Daniels, oh. um, who is just so good in that role. Holy shit. Um, and then this younger, really hot dude played by Jack O'Connell. And they're like... He, Frank Griffin is the older dude and like Roy Good is the younger dude and Frank acted like a father to Roy. And Frank and Frank is a really bad guy and he like he has this like troop of people and they murder a lot and pillage and do awful things. Um and so he's hunting Roy and the whole show is about him hunting Roy who like left him and like fucked him over. And he's like a son, right? Sorry, this was a really long-winded annoying uh, uh story, but but so the whole time, even though it has all of these other representations, I couldn't stop thinking about the quote that we've used in Feminist Frequency stuff before that says, in the game of patriarchy, women aren't the opposing team, they are the ball. So you have these women, you have these people of color, but in the end, it's about these two dudes. And the whole story is about these two white dudes. So, like, bah, mm. I don't really know what to do with that, right? Um I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I will say that there's some trigger warnings for rape. There's two instances of assault, attempted assault. I'm really in the show. sick of every show just putting rape in there. Yep, me too. Um, so that's that. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot here to deconstruct, but that's my freak out this week. Um, also, our buddy Scoot McNary is in it, who we love from *Halt and Catch Fire*. Oh yeah. Who also has a like a an illness disability, which I thought he's he's getting typecast. Yeah, clearly. I all right, y'all, that is our show. Uh, you can join us back here every single Wednesday. Oh, yeah. 
we couldn't make this podcast happen without our generous backers on Drip. And Drip is Kickstarter's brand new subscription-based crowdfunding platform. So help us keep bringing this podcast to you every week by joining the Feminist Frequency community. We've got some great rewards for you, so pitch in now at d.rip slash femfreak. If you're enjoying this show, we have a small favor to ask. Please leave us a review on iTunes because it really helps spread the word about the show. And you know, while you're hanging out with your local scientist friends in the Shimmer, tell them about this great new podcast called Feminist Frequency Radio. You can check out all of our work and our other podcasts at FeministFrequency.com and follow us on Twitter at FemFreak to stay up to date on all of the latest news. And we want to hear from you, so hit us up on Twitter. Carolyn, where can people tell you about their undying love for Call Me By Your Name? Oh, please tell me all about it at Carolyn Michelle. Uh, I am at Anita Sarkeesian, and if you want to know more or talk to Irene... Uh, you can find me on Twitter, but mostly on Instagram at Irene underscore two. That's T-U. Perfect. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. And we'll see you next week. Later. Later.